in the in 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 the going, but we get into a, what I think is one of the exciting chapters of this book. So I'm going to read to you from Romans 8. I don't nor- normally read a whole chapter, but I love this chapter so much. I'm going to read you all 39 verses. And then if I don't preach, well, you can just take that away and meditate on that, can't you? Life in the Spirit, as it says. In fact, I'm going to start at um, chapter 7 and verse 25. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. What a start. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. He condemns sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh but according to the spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh but those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption. Think about that. The spirit of adoption as sons by whom we can cry, Abba, Father, Daddy in our language. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed in us. For the creation 
waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that creation, the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only creation, not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose... For those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, Who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died more than that who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. When I was pastoring a church in Whitney Bay, I got friendly with a lady whose husband wasn't really attending church um, when we first met them. And um, 
There was an interest in him, and I would say that he was well on his road to coming to a personal belief in Jesus Christ and what Christ had done for him. And she started attending our church, and we, I met this guy, and we got talking, and he enjoyed hill walking. And at the time, we had a couple of missionaries in Nepal, and I was supposed to go out and visit them, but apparently the bus journey stopped on the main road, and then it was a day and a half walk up a mountain to get to the village where I was supposed to go. Well, I never actually ended up going, but I started trying to get myself in shape for that journey. All right. So John was a keen hill walker, and so he arranged at first some fairly flat walks um, and just increased the distance. And then over time, what happened was we exhausted the few hills around us in Whitley Bay because there weren't loads of hills around us in Whitley Bay. Um, it was on the seashore, really. So. Um, And from there, we decided that we'd start traveling over to the Lake District. And so we started doing some of the walks that Wainwright used to do, you know. Um, And we would go off on a Saturday morning early and we would walk and then come home. And I couldn't do it every week, but I did it maybe twice every six weeks or so. And... um, we'd come back and we'd have an evening together sometimes where we'd eat curry and just have good time together. Anyway, um, as I progressed, he decided on one occasion that he was going to take me up at the third highest mountain in the Lake District, 3,117 feet. All right. Now, it's, it, it says in the book that it's a three-hour Walk. Well, it took me a little longer than that. All right. Um, but anyway, we got into the Lake District, we parked the car, and we started. And um, I don't know, stick one of those photos up. So we went up this mountain here. And so this is striding edge, this is. And so we're on our way to Helvellyn Top, and you have to walk down this. And everything that you would read would say that this was one of the really great walks in the lakes and it would say this I'll I'll quote you from it it says uh, one writer recording his thoughts on Helvellyn said absolutely no doubt the best route is striding edge couple it with swirl edge for an unforgettable day in the hills well it was an unforgettable day because I ate and ate and ate like nothing else so anyway we did this walk and On the way up, John kept encouraging me because at points along this walk, it's quite difficult to navigate because it's not just a flat path. And he would keep encouraging, oh, don't worry. And I'm huffing and puffing as I'm walking. If I'm going along, short of breath, feeling, what on earth am I doing this for? I'm going to forget going to Nepal because if I can't do this, there's no way I'm going to get up to this village in the mountains somewhere, am I? So... He kept encouraging me and encouraging me, but on the way there, I, was, I had a few moans and groans and nothing and puffing and sort of, yeah, I don't know if I can do this and all the rest of it. Anyway, eventually we came to the very top and this is the, I think they call it a trig point of something like that. But as you come onto the top, all of a sudden, all that effort 
becomes worthwhile. Because you're standing on the top of this view where you can see around you 360 degrees. And it's just a, as long as it's a good day and the clouds aren't down, of course, and they weren't when I was up there. But you've just got this fantastic view. You know, you want to break out in song, you know, I'm on top of the world, you know, looking down on creation, you know, what a wonderful feeling type thing. And it was just absolutely fantastic. And, you know, bless him, the reason it took us longer, because I spent probably three quarters of an hour to an hour up there recovering from the walk up before I could start the walk down. So, but it was just a fantastic, fantastic view. You know, sometimes with our walk with God, it can feel quite drudgery. We, we just don't seem to be breaking through. And in our travel in the book of Romans so far, it's, there's a lot of stuff in there, which is, it, it, it's hard to understand. And at times you wonder whether you're saved or not, or you, you know, you've, am I really belonging to Jesus? And you, you, you just end up in a place and we've, just come out of chapter 7 where Paul is just you know so I find it to be the law, be a law that when I want to do right evil is close at hand for I delight in the law of God in my inner being but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members wretched man that I am who will deliver me from this body of death? If we were to stop there, everything would seem hopeless. But thankfully, Paul is just under halfway through. And at the halfway point, he suddenly breaks out with praise. He stops what he was lamenting, it seems to me. And he just bursts out with praise. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. And then he goes into, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of of sin and death when God's spirit is around you read it in 2 Corinthians somewhere I've got the verse later on but um, it says this where the spirit of the Lord is there is freedom freedom You know, it's so easy for us as Christians to be weighed down, burdened constantly with our failings and our failures. And not just the failings and failures of the past, which Christ has already dealt with, but it's the failings and the failures that we experience in our day-to-day life that weigh us down. And yet... Here we are told that there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. For the spirit, the law of the spirit of life has set you free. Freedom. Freedom. 
You might have seen that. Um, who was the actor who did William Wallace, Mel Gibson, where he shouts freedom, you know, at, at one point in, his, in the film, you know. And it is for freedom that Christ has set us free, that we would not live under a continual everyday sense of condemnation for our lives but he set us free he he basically this passage tells us it he put to death he condemns sin in the flesh he condemned it because of his son coming and dying jesus coming and dying on calvary He condemned it in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled. That we might understand and know freedom. Not that we willfully go out and do things and just live how we like. But he he wants us to understand that if we have got a mind that is set on the spirit, then we are free because the spirit has set us free we're no longer in shackles and in chains and in slavery to the law it's not as i say that we just ignore the law the law is the very thing that tells us where if you like where how to stay in a place where god's blessing will run in our lives but at the same time it also will highlight to us where we drift away from walking with him but instead of it being something which condemns us and that we're slaves to and we beat ourselves up with it is a thing that just informs us of where we're at and if our mind is set on the spirit then we can still experience freedom even though we currently wrestle with things in our lives which still have to be finally dealt with. Life in the spirit has hallmarks. Can you put up that ring for me, um, Martin, please? When you buy a ring and they say to you it's gold or it's silver or whatever it is, you will find a hallmark on it. One of Liz's rings we had to have cut off because it was too small and we had a piece of gold added into it and in the process of that they removed the hallmark from the ring and whilst we might know what the carrot of gold is in that ring we cannot any longer prove that because the hallmark is no longer there it's missing the hallmark is the thing that tells you what the quality is of the ring and if you want to know whether you are living a life in the spirit there are hallmarks that Paul brings out here that can tell us where we're at you know some people think that that phrase life in the spirit means this that we have to ask God about every small detail in our life. So we wake up in the morning, we say, morning, Lord, no problem with that. What shall I have for breakfast today? Rice Krispies, porridge, cornflakes. God would say to you this morning, this is a word from God, suit yourself. Suit yourself. He's not really, I don't think, overly bothered whether it's Rice Krispies, porridge or cornflakes. 
Some people say that they have to ask God what they should wear and what way they should go to work. Now, I'm not saying God, when you leave your house, can't say to you, I want you to go this way this morning. But sometimes the idea of the life in the spirit that we put forward is just a very unreal thing, you know? It's like, yes, Lord. Right, Lord, okay. I'll do that then, Lord. And it just doesn't match up with real life doesn't match up and again I'm saying to you it doesn't mean that God cannot say to you do this last week it was either last week or the week before at one point in the week I really felt that I should contact Felicity and Simon I didn't I I didn't particularly think why I just had that feeling and of course I am a bit dim and instead of doing it what I did was I just ended up continuing with what I was doing thinking I'll do that a bit later and then never got to it because it went right out of my head and then when I saw Felicity on last Sunday she showed me um, photographs in all that rain the, the, the floods had come up and it had never reached their house before and yet on this occasion it, it broke into their home and I'm just thinking to myself Dave you should have done what you felt prompted to do so I'm not against God prompting but I don't think it's this unreal life in the spirit is not this unreal thing a life in the spirit is marked by thankfulness thankfulness thanks be to God Paul bursts forth with thanks and if you read about Paul's life it wasn't all plain sailing shipwrecked Beaten with um, 40 lashes, lest one, uh, a couple of times at least. You know, he knew what it was to be hungry. He knew what it was to be cold. He knew what it was to be full. He knew what it was to be warm. The truth is, Paul's life was not just plain sailing. It wasn't plain sailing, but he could still cry out, thanks be to God in Christ Jesus. A life marked by the Spirit of God within you should be marked by thankfulness, not determined by the circumstances we face in our life, but purely determined because we know he has our best at heart. The end of that chapter of chapter 8, you know, who can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord? Who will be able to do it? Principalities, powers, no. Height and depth, no. Nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. And therefore, a life where the Spirit of God dwells in us, which is the thing that makes us belong to him, and is the hallmark of us belonging to him, is a life which has the hallmark of thanksgiving. Not continual whinging, but thanksgiving. 1 Chronicles 16, 34 and Psalm 107, 1 say, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. 2 Corinthians 4, 15, for it is... 
it is all for your sake, so that grace extends to more and more people. It may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. Ephesians 5.20, do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing, making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to the God to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Colossians 3.15, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Thankful. Sometimes it's easy to allow the things that are happening around us and what is going on in our life to steal from us thankfulness. There is something about thankful people that it is good to be around. If you notice that, it is good to be around them. When I was in Camborne, there was this lady, she recently died, called Maureen. Bless her heart, for the 13 years I was there, she was in church maybe for the first 18 months of my 13 years in that church and she had a spine that was starting to curve over all the time and she was in a lot of pain and, and I, Liz and I used to go round and visit her and her husband John and we used to sit in their house and she would have to lie down for a while and then sit up for a while and then lie down again for a while but I want to tell you Despite the fact that she was in pain, despite the fact for at least 11 and a half years of our 13-year tenure, she was housebound. I never once heard her moan or complain. She never blamed God. She never was upset with him. She just kept saying, one day I'll have a new body and I'll dance. She was thankful, just so thankful for Jesus and what he'd done for her, that he'd saved her, that he'd given her a new life, that her and her husband could pray together and read God's word together and pray for others in the church. She was just, just full of thanksgiving. And I want to tell you in the visits that I would do in Camborne with Liz, that was the one visit that I looked forward to the most. No complaints about what was happening in church. No complaints. That's not because she wasn't there, all right? Well, it could have been, I suppose. <laughs> Who knows? No complaints about that. No, no, no getting upset because we didn't sing all hymns anymore or anything like that. She just... She just was just so thankful. Lovely lady to be around. You go in expecting to minister to her and you would be the one who came away feeling ministered to. If God is part of our life, then it will result in thankfulness. I want to tell you that does not mean that we will not have moments. All right? We will not have moments where we cry out. The psalmist does it, doesn't he? In the Psalms, he cries out because of his situation. But if you notice something about the psalmist, he never ends up allowing his situation to dictate his praise and his thanks to God. 
He always turns everything back to God in order, in praise and thanksgiving. So no condemnation. Andrew Ollerton writes, maybe you have experienced or being troubled with thoughts like, like these, you know, um, fearing the worst. Maybe you think your past will catch up with you, doubting God's love when tough times hit. Is this God punishing me, not feeling good enough or forgiven? I must try harder to make up for it. Wearing a super spiritual mask because we want to try and impress God and other people. Fear of failure and responsibility. God can't use me. I will just muck it up. I want to tell you, when Christ comes into your life, there is no condemnation. None whatsoever. So when we set our minds on the things of the Spirit, we find freedom. We find freedom. Another mark of the Spirit is that we are adopted into God's family. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Intimacy with God is another hallmark of the Holy Spirit, of the life in the Spirit. Intimacy with God. Enjoying that intimate moment with God. Not fearing it, not cowering in it. Perfect love, it says in Scripture, casts out all fear. For fear has to do with punishment. And a hallmark of the Spirit is this, that if we know that perfect love casts out all fear and we know that God loved us so much that he gave Jesus for us, then we need not fear. Now there'll be some who will say they can quote loads of scriptures about the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And I, I don't disagree with that. But it's not the fear I'm talking about here. This is the quaking fear. This is the fear that I'm such a, I don't know, such a person that I, God will never accept me. What is wrong with me? And yet God didn't just forgive us. He adopted us and brought us in to his family adoption is this a legal proceeding that creates a parent-child relationship between persons not related by blood with the adopted child being entitled to all the privileges belonging to a natural child including the right to inherit when we read scripture we see that our adoption means sonship, daughtership before the living God. I'm trying to think where it is. There's a scripture that tells us as earthly parents not, um, what's the phrase it uses? Um, Basically not to crush our child's spirit by excessive control not to embitter them 
I want to tell you, God, our Heavenly Father, the reason Jesus died was so that we could know the love of a Father, our Heavenly Father, the God who created the world in which we live, that we could reconnect with Him. Today, we are a King's kid. We are sons and daughters of the living God through adoption. And through that, we have access to his everlasting love. And we are being made into the likeness of Jesus. I think that is something that is beautiful. We're being fashioned with the things that come in our lives. God just gently fashions us and shapes us to put into us the image of Jesus. And another hallmark in the life of the Spirit is this, that there is a future glory and our hope is in our future glory. Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? We have a future hope. We know that whatever comes to us even death's door, which so many people fear. The reality is we know where we are going and who we are going to. Some of you might have watched the television programme, The Repair Shop, on TV. It's where something is taken in and it is lovingly restored as near to its original as it can be. I love it because you see this, whether it's a battered teddy, a piece of stained glass window that has been broken, whether it is a seat in the garden which has into the repair shop and it's usually sat in front of the double doors that, you know, where they come in and it is covered over and they stand there waiting for the big reveal. And then the person says, are you ready? And they pull off the blanket or the cloth that's covering it. And you can see from the facial expressions of those who see it for the first time since it's been repaired, there is this sense of awe and wonder and just overwhelmness, really. Overwhelmedness. God is in the business of restoring us to the original. We are human becomings. Human becomings. There is something called spiritual formation, which the biblical word is sanctification. It's the process where we move from the state that we're found in to the state God wants us to be. So we're on a journey. If you thought you were going to be perfect day one, you were wrong. Some of us will wrestle with things our whole life and maybe never get total mastery over them. But I want to say, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. 
There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. It is a hallmark of the Spirit that we are becoming more like Jesus day by day and year by year. Even creation is groaning, waiting for us to come into our own, waiting for that moment where Christ will return and make all things new. Sometimes you may, I don't know whether you've ever felt this, you may have groaned inwardly at yourself, at the struggle that you feel you're in. Well, the Spirit groans too. It, as the Spirit, the Holy Spirit intercedes for us with Jesus. Our lives are entwined. Creation and our lives are entwined together. We need to learn to live in freedom because that is the major hallmark of the Spirit. Now the Lord is the Spirit and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of God, can be interpreted reflecting the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image, one degree of glory to another, or to ever-increasing glory. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Galatians 5.13 gives us a balance. For you were called to freedom, brothers, so that is to what we are called only Do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Don't use it as an opportunity for selfishness. Don't set your mind on the things of the flesh to make them your goal. Set your mind on the things of the Spirit who God wants you to be and pursue that. And you will find life abundantly. God's perfect love casts out all fear and there should be no one who belongs to Jesus who has surrendered their life to him and invited him to be in control of their life who needs to come under condemnation anymore. Not one. God's call is to be holy as he is holy, a big call. But then he empowers us to live that life. And he takes away the fear that would so interrupt our relationship with him that we would want to give up. And so we're going to pray and this morning I'm just going to Wait for a moment or two and then I'm just going to pray. I'm not going to ask, but you know this morning where you are with God. You know whether you've ever actually invited God, Christ into your life to cleanse you from your sin and your wrongdoing and to surrender your life to him as your King, Lord and Master. You know where you are with regard to that. You know this morning whether you are struggling with different things in your life that you can't beat. Well, this morning, instead, instead of feeling condemned, why not give thanks that God 
The fact that you're wrestling with them for me shows that God's spirit is at work within you because if it wasn't, you wouldn't even worry about it. And let's not sit in fear before God, but let's be thankful to him.